Well, good morning, Cornerstone University. Thank you to the band for bringing us some beautiful worship for the glory of God. Thank you to our guests here for Golden Eagle Day. Thank you for being here today. And Cornerstone students, thank, I thank all of you for being here this morning. I know it's getting pretty late in the semester. It's tough to have the motivation to come to chapel. So thank you for choosing to be here this morning. If you don't know me, my name's Garrett Brown. This is my second year here at Cornerstone. Uh, I am a ministry and a Kaihai major. Um, and you might recognize me for wearing a goofy Hawaiian shirt every Wednesday. Uh, Y'all should try it out, it's pretty fun. I call it Hawaiian Wednesday, I wrote my friends into it. It's a lot of fun, it makes the week better. Well, it is a pleasure and an honor to be speaking here today. And I'm not gonna waste any time. We're gonna jump right into things this morning. And as we start out, I want you to think about the word friendship for a minute. Obviously, our big theme for this year is Christ, our greatest friend. But I want you to think about what friendship means to you. I tried to do the cheesy thing you might see at a wedding. The dictionary defines friendship as blah, blah, blah. But it ended up just being the state of being friends. Like, thanks, dictionary.com, that helps. So instead, since that wasn't any help, I want you to think about what this word friendship really means to you. When I thought about this for myself, my mind went to two different places, right? First, my brain went to all the stupid, fun stuff I've done with friends, pushing each other around in shopping carts, playing video games or board games till four in the morning, screaming at football games together, playing hide and seek in a Target, running around and trying to squeeze a bottle of mayonnaise onto each other. That one's a long story. <laughs> then my mind went to all the vulnerable moments with friends. Times where I've been able to share what's really going on. The times when I've been able to just sit down and listen to what's going on in my friends' lives. The times when I can just sit down with my friends and we can say that we are there for each other. Maybe for you, you think of the bond you have with some professors and classmates and dorm mates here at Cornerstone. Maybe you think of your roommate. Maybe you think of the people you went to high school with. Maybe you think of your family and how much they also feel and act like friends. Maybe you feel like you really just don't have friends. First of all, I wanna remind you of our theme for this year, Christ our greatest friend. It might seem tacky to bring this up again, but think about how true it is. Jesus sacrificed his life for you. He wants to be in friendship with each and every one of you. And he is waiting for you to turn to him in friendship. Second of all, I encourage you, if you do feel like this, start by taking a courageous step here on campus or at your local church and seek friends there. Now, I know the difficulty of this. When I started school here, I knew nobody. Nobody in my dorm, nobody in my classes. It took me a while to really find friends. There was an awkward time at the beginning of the year when I wasn't really sure if I was going to have friends. So trust me, I know how difficult this is, and I know I'm not asking an easy task. But what worked for me and what I know can work for you is taking bold steps to join groups and find friends there. There are dozens, probably hundreds of groups between Cornerstone and local churches that will gladly accept you for who you are. Now I say all this to show that Friendship doesn't really have a straightforward definition. Maybe dictionary.com was onto something. So as you're thinking about your definition of friendship in your own life, 
or maybe some things that need to change. Go ahead and start flipping to our main scripture today, Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine through 12. Now, if you're familiar with Ecclesiastes, you'll know it's not the happiest book in the Bible. We get this bleak idea of hevel, the Hebrew word for vapor. The author says that life is just striving after breath, vanity, something that will fade away. This defines the point Ecclesiastes is trying to make. And the beginning of chapter four, where our scripture for today is, continues this trend, showing the oppression of the lonely, the envy of working against your neighbor, and this troubled vanity of being alone. What a great way to start the morning, right? Everything is meaningless. We're all just striving after things that will fade. Yippee! But if you keep reading, we see something that actually gives us hope. In the midst of all the hevel, the vapor, the vanity of this world, the author finds hope. I think this is intentional. This is here for a reason. This isn't just some mistaken happy moment that got thrown into the book about meaningless life. No, instead it's the exact opposite. These verses here are meant to show the hope and joy that we can find in this world despite seemingly endless vanity. So if you'll follow along with me, we've got it on the screens. Let's look at this positive note. Starting from verse nine, the author says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So in these four short verses, keep in mind, this isn't a very long passage. We get an entire framework for what friendship should look like. I've seen some people that believe this passage merely applies to marriage, but first of all, that in and of itself is a friendship. And second of all, think about your friendships right now. Do you pick each other up when you've fallen? Do you show love to each other, not necessarily physically, but do you show love to each other to, to provide warmth? Do you fight against your enemies together? Do you bring God into your relationships? As we think about the answers to these questions, we start to see our big idea today, that friendship builds strength. Friendship builds strength. Now, I don't mean this as friendship builds physical strength or friendship builds muscle. Not that kind of strength, so sorry if you were starting to think that having hundreds of friends would turn you into a bodybuilder. What I mean by strength is the strength to endure the trials of life. So keep this big point in mind, and let's take a look at the scripture again slowly to see exactly how this applies. Verses nine through 11 say, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Let's think about the vulnerability of friendship that I mentioned earlier. The times where you're able to just sit down with friends and really just connect on what's been going on. What if there weren't friends to bear that burden with you? If we don't have those friends around us to fight through toils with us, pick each other up, warm each other up, then we're in for a rough ride. The good news is we don't have to live that way. Remember, our big point for today is that friendship builds strength. 
And as we expand on that idea, these verses show how to live within your design. Live within your design. God did not design us to be alone. Genesis chapter two, verse 18 says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Adam then goes on and names all of the animals and it's clear that none of them were suitable helpers for him until God created female, bone of Adam's bone, flesh of his flesh. The only creature capable of being a suitable fit helper for a human is another human. When we think about our big idea for today, friendship builds strength, this is leaning into what we were designed for. God designed us for community, and we still have the opportunity to live that out today. What I invite you all to do today, friends, is embrace that community and welcome others into it. I know all too well how hard it is to embrace community when going through a rough patch. I'm one of those people who just wants to be left alone when I'm not feeling good, and it usually takes a lot of convincing for me to get up and actually go spend time with people. But what do we see when we actually get up and go be with others? We see laughter, we see fun, we see joy, we see opportunities to do the things we like doing. On the other side of the coin, we see vulnerability. We see chances for accountability. We see proper grief unfold. Whatever side of the coin you land on, friendship lends us everything we need to lean into our design. Think with me for a minute about something we see in our lives every single day, a light bulb. I wish I had a light bulb with me, but just imagine for a second. On its own, the light bulb can't really do too much, right? You can like play catch with it, you can, you can break it, you can like use it to stir stuff in a bowl. I feel like I'm doing a Kai-Hai experiment right now. <laughs> Point is, you can't use the light bulb to its full potential unless you pair it up with electricity, what it was designed to be used with. Thomas Edison didn't just make the light bulb without having electricity in mind. And while I'm not comparing a human to a light bulb or saying that a human on its own is useless, what I am saying is that God designed us to live in community. He knew that Adam was going to need a suitable helper, flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone. With community, humanity can thrive and find true purpose. Good news cornerstone is that we have the perfect opportunity to experience this every day with the people around us. We have the chance to find friends who will always be there for us and to be that friend to others. This dynamic, along with what we'll talk about next, allows humanity to thrive in the way that God designed it to as these friendships build up strength. And this leads us right into our second point, and that is to bring Christ into your relationships. Bring Christ into your relationships. When we think about our theme for this year, that Christ is our greatest friend, we need to remember that he can be present in all of our relationships if we bring him in. Now, I'm not trying to diminish Christ's power at all, but the relationship between us and him is a two-way street, right? He already died on the cross, defeated death, and rose again that we might have eternal life, amen? Now, what are you going to do in response? What are you going to do in response? Let's look back at Ecclesiastes for where our answer begins, this time just verse 12. It states, and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, 
two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. This idea of the threefold cord really caught my attention. I saw a lot of interpretations online when I was researching this passage. I saw some people saying that this was just talking about three people instead of two. I saw some people saying this was a representation of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. But I really like what this commentary says. This is John Gill's exposition of the Bible. And he says, while it, the threefold cord, remains twisted together, it is not easily broke. But if the threads are untwisted and unloosed, they are soon snapped asunder. So persons in religious fellowship, be they more or fewer, while they keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, they are terrible as an army with banners, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against them. When believers are gathered together, they can trust that the spirit is with them. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20 says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. It is thanks to the sacrifice of Christ on the cross that we get to say these things today. Jesus gave those who believe in him the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we have the pleasure and the privilege of leaning on him in our friendship so he can guide them into bearing good fruit. I've been thinking about this a lot recently in my personal relationships with friends. I'm reading this verse and thinking about the Spirit's impact in my current friendships has been a little eye-opening to me. We have this opportunity to have the God of the universe be a part of our relationships with others. And oftentimes, for me at least, this just goes overlooked. Very rarely do I unintentionally look at my friendships with other believers and think, yeah, God was a part of all those memories. Usually take some deep, intentional thought to get to that point. Yet I can be grateful nonetheless. An even rarer occasion, which I personally really need to work on, is introducing my non-believer friends to God. I know my faith and why I believe what I believe, and I absolutely talk about it when it's brought up or when I'm giving a message like this. But rarely do I actually think about the fact that I could be the one to introduce my friends to the God of peace, the savior of the world, the king of kings. I don't know if I'm the only one, but how often do we really think about this? Even if he isn't walking right next to us like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden, God wants us to devote our lives to him so he can walk with us and guide us to what's right. We are God's children. If we think about a child, they can't really learn much on their own, can they? They might eventually learn something, but not without consequences or pain along the way. As children of God, we must bring our heavenly father into our relationships and friendships so he can show us how they should operate and how to make the best of them. And like I mentioned earlier, I know this isn't easy to bring Christ into relationships where he isn't present. I know it's not easy to lean into our call as Christians to go and make disciples and spread the good news to those who don't know it. At the end of John's gospel, we see an example of how shameful it can feel to let Jesus have full control over our lives despite the mistakes we've made. The good news is Jesus gives us hope in trusting who he is and he builds up strength in his friends. Towards the end of John chapter 21, Jesus, after his resurrection, reconciles with Simon Peter, one of his disciples. Jesus asked Peter three times, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Peter responds each time, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And I want to read through just the last time that Jesus asked Peter this question. John chapter 21, verses 17 and 18. And pay attention to both the way that Peter responds to hearing this a third time and the way that Jesus replies. Starting in verse 17, the text says, he, Jesus, said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. The text says that Peter was grieved after Jesus asked the third time, likely because he felt the guilt and shame of denying Christ three times before his crucifixion. You can almost hear the desperation in Peter's final plea. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And what do we see in Jesus' response? Mercy. We see mercy and a continuation of the calling that Jesus had placed upon Peter. Jesus demonstrates his friendship that he has with Peter and he strengthens Peter to continue living the life that he was called to. The life that Jesus called Peter into all the way back in John chapter one. Friends, we don't have to abandon that hope today. We don't have to abandon that hope and friendship that Christ offers to us. We can live in that hope and freedom from sin today. If you haven't accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior over your life, it is not too late. He is a gracious God. And he wants to be in the friendships and relationships in your life. He wants friendship and relationship with you. If you haven't made that choice to devote your life to Christ, I highly encourage you to learn who he is and make that choice to follow him. He will strengthen you through the trials of life. He designed you for community, both with him and with others. And he will be in those friendships with others around you if you make the choice to follow him and introduce him to those who do not know him. And in these final moments, what I want to invite you all to do is just practice and lean into the true friendship that's described in Ecclesiastes. I could talk all day about the ways that you can apply this to your life, but I want you all to get firsthand experience right now instead and keep this mindset of true friendship for the rest of the day, the rest of the week, the rest of the year, the rest of your life. So in order to do that, I just want you all to turn to two or three people around you and just share what's been going on. Lean into this friendship that we've discussed today. Strengthen each other to endure through your trials. Pick each other up. Show each other love. Fight against the enemy. If you haven't dedicated your life to Christ and you want to do that today, tell the person next to you and rejoice with them. I just want to open this up to a time of prayer with each other and then I'll wrap us up in a few minutes here. So go ahead and just turn to a few people around you and pray in true friendship. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for just allowing us to be here and hear your word. Lord, I pray that you can strengthen us in our friendships. Lord, you can pray, I pray that you strengthen us in our friendships, that you can allow us to just remember your goodness. Lord, I pray that if we have those friendships where others may not know you, I pray that we can be the ones to show them who you are, Lord. 
Lord, I pray that the Spirit can just be with us in those relationships. I thank you that the Spirit is with us in those relationships with other believers. I pray that you can continue to strengthen us throughout this day. I pray that we can remember this throughout the holiday season. We pray these in all, we pray all these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. I encourage you, please, if you want to keep praying with each other, keep praying with each other. Thank you and have a good day.